Hi, this is Dan de Wit, Head of Communication at IDH, and you're listening to the IDH podcast. Today we talk with Flavio Corsin, Director of Agriculture at IDH and former Country Director, Vietnam of IDH. We asked him about the importance of avoiding diseases in aquaculture as a sustainability tool. Fish are in populations. I mean, you, are, you don't farm one fish. You farm a pond full of fish. Therefore, the whole epidemiological approach to disease control in population actually seems to be a, a match made in, uh, in heaven. It's a, it's a perfect approach that you can use if you want to manage diseases in, uh, in aquaculture. How big is the issue? Can you sketch a bit of a picture? So there was a study done uh, probably one year ago or something uh, by the Fishweb Group. Um, they estimated that uh, diseases, just the shrimp diseases in Asia from the 80s until uh, 2016 caused $42 billion of direct losses, another $24 billion of export losses, another $13 billion in lost feed, um, feed sales. So you can just imagine, this is just this at the industry level. When you look at the farm level, then a lot of these diseases actually lead to an 80 to 100% mortality, which basically means that every dollar that you invest in the farm to feed, to you know, the labor, all of it is lost. Because when you get disease, then actually you can't do anything with the crop. So you're not dealing with uh, just, uh, I don't know, a couple of percentage points losses. You're dealing with a complete loss of all the investment that you made, which is quite dramatic. What is the normal reaction of a shrimp farmer to this? Well, uh, buying seed from a source that is uh, known to be producing seed that is uh, 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 pathogen-free, of the known pathogens at least, uh, having good biosecurity measures uh, in, the, in the farm, so basically reducing the risk of getting infected uh, from uh, neighbors and people moving, uh, moving around. Um, uh, try to uh, adopt practices that allow you to be, not to have to change the water that much, therefore closing the system, therefore using more of a treatment system, for example, in the, um, in the farm. And having, um, uh, probably using technology, but uh, having a quite good control on what is happening in the, in the farm. So that then you know what, uh, what is the water quality and what, uh, what is the status of the, of the shrimp almost in real time. Huh? There, are, there are quite a bit of technology that allow you to do that nowadays. Because then you can, uh, the farmer can identify what are the early signs of disease and take uh, proper action for it. So I would, for example, also smaller ponds or, or lower densities of, uh, of animals or ponds more far apart from each other. Would that help also? Yeah, so ponds far apart from each other, yes, uh, probably. The density question is an interesting one because in theory, yes, but actually we don't know very much how shrimp interact with each other, for example. So, you know, for example, one thing that shrimp do, they tend to swing together. So even if you reduce the density, it's like people. So if you have five people and you put them into a field, those five people probably get together and start talking with each other. So you can't imagine that they are gonna stay, oh, you know, the field is one hectare, therefore the, everybody stays 20 meters from each other. Because that's not how humans behave with each other. 
So uh, in the studies that we did, uh, again, in my previous life, uh, they, there was not such a strong association uh, of uh, stocking density. So even if you put less shrimp, it didn't really seem to really reduce the risk that much. Yeah, so if uh, ponds from more far from each other, uh, buying seeds from a, a trusted supplier, uh, doing a bit of research on, uh, on early disease outbreaks, um, uh, having a control or, or having at least knowledge of what your neighbors are doing, uh, if that all is adding to more production safety and less outbreaks of diseases, why is not everybody doing that? Uh, the first part is really that you need to uh, have the, the means to, 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 to support your family. Therefore, if there is no alternative uh, income, then uh, farmers basically continue on farming. And, uh, and the second case is really, uh, is really about uh, understanding the concept of, uh, of risk. And that is difficult to convey to, uh, to farmers. Farmers uh, do see for some diseases, like the known diseases, they, they know actually their the experiences, therefore they know what, uh, what can happen, and therefore they actually take those practices. But in aquaculture, you have continuously always new diseases and new problems. And, um, and, you know, and making even a small investment towards the prevention of those problems, which may or may not happen, then it's not easy. What is our solution to this? So from our side, we are operating at uh, different levels. So first of all, we try to harness the market forces and the investment uh, needs for, uh, for sustainable production to incentivize uh, um, uh, the adoption of practices that uh, reduce the, the disease risk and increase uh, efficiency. So there the angle is not really on disease risk, but the, 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 there the angle would be around uh, um, uh, improving the bankability of, uh, of, uh, of a farmer, a reduction of the footprint, environmental footprint of, uh, of farming. At the same time, we work on the ground to try to plug in epidemiological tools into uh, the, 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 the farming practices. So try to help farmers to um, uh, adopt epidemiological tools, uh, adopt a more data-driven approach. Therefore, their risk then gets reduced so that then they comply better to the market and the investment needs. And how does technology uh, come into this picture? Technology allows you to collect data in a real time. So let's, let's, um, let's imagine that uh, there is a, a, an algorithm built on making sense of the data to see whether they are associated with a certain disease, okay? So if you have that built into the technology itself, into the app that the farmer is using, then you can get the real-time recommendations uh, um, to the farm. So they, they say that the water quality deteriorates or the temperature increases, and that is associated with the higher risk, they say. Then um, a warning sign, they said they have a signal with the app is given to the farmer and say, hey, you are increasing your risk. Now your risk is twice as high as it was before uh, of experiencing such a disease. Therefore, the farmer can take action. The farmer doesn't have to go and check the water and collect the data and send the data and give them to an epidemiologist. This is done, inverted commas, automatically through an app. 
and that's what we are planning to uh, to introduce. Uh, so if there is an outbreak of a disease because the water temperature is too high or the water is too brackish or something else, then the farmer gets a sign and can do something about it, right? That's yeah. that's that's a bit what you explained. Uh, how do you roll it out on large scale? So there are millions of farmers, um, and uh, so technology actually does not cost a lot of money, and. Uh, Basically, for, from our side, it's about collaborating with the companies, technology companies, who have other um, services to provide to the farmer. For example, there are technologies that uh, allow you to reduce the amount of feed that you need to put in a pond to, um, uh, to produce the same volume of, uh, of fish. So the, the technology so it basically uses an algorithm, uses artificial intelligence to tell you how much feed you should put. So that has, of course, an enormous advantage for the farmer. So if we plug in epidemiological tools to that technology, then you can reach scale because you have basically two services um, into one. So making, making the service provider much stronger. And that therefore allows that, uh, that, uh, that the scale to be, to be reached. There are other technologies, for example, that give you forecast how much and what size of shrimp you're going to be harvesting. So, and then there are farmers that buy technology because they want to know so that they can have a, a bit more of a, a you know, forecasting planning on, uh, on the crop when they are going to be as big as I want them to be able to sell them. So if we plug in epidemiology to those apps, then again, you have two services. You have a service that is about uh, um, planning your harvest. And you have a service that is around the disease control. So uh, for, for, uh, for me, it's, uh, to be able to reach a scale, we need to pile up as many services as possible to farmers at the lowest cost as possible. And who is paying for that? Uh, for, in our vision, the, um, and what we are working towards is uh, getting the market and investment uh, investors to pay for it. So the um, the market in terms will pay for it not because of the disease risk reduction, but because it creates a transparency, uh, oversight of the supply chain. What the, they know more about what the farming practices are. Um, and then uh, if they have a contract, then they are more likely to satisfy that, uh, that contract because, uh, because the farmer has reduced their, their risk. From the investment side, um, they, they, of course, they, one of the reasons why a lot of investors have, have been, um, I wouldn't say scared, but they, they have not been so enthusiastic about investing into aquaculture is because of disease risk. So if you can quantify really with, the, with the, you know, showing the numbers, the risk of diseases because the data are there, then it becomes easier to actually make investment. Therefore, breaking the, the what I call the fish and egg dilemma. So the, the farmer wants money, but to be able to get money from investors, then they have to change all sorts of practices and make, uh, make investments. What we do, we try to show that actually those, um, 
you know, changing those practices and uh, through the, the adoption of technology and adoption of an epidemiological approach uh, reduces the risk, therefore then bringing the investors to the table and with that then uh, uh, basically making more farmers to, to adopt the practices because the investment is small. So, but there is, a, there is a continuous improvement. There are little steps that can be done. To be able to organize that, that system, you need to work with the, with the majority of the industry. So we have partnered with the Global Sustainable Seafood Initiative in partnership also with the, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, FAO. Uh, and together we are developing a system that basically creates a common language between the market players and the investors so that then they can all pull in the same direction. So, uh, Flavio, why is IDH the right organization to pull this off? Well, IDH is the only organization that actually puts people together, uh, whether they are producers, uh, or the, well, the traders and the, and the retailers, investors, uh, to design solutions, sustainability solutions. I mean, look at our history. We developed uh, together with WWF the AEC. At that time, certification was uh, well, a credible certification scheme. Um, uh, IC member was uh, was not there for aquaculture, and therefore we we created that. Um, that was the right solution to do at that time. As the sustainability conversation evolved, then there was a need to expand that type of solution into developing tools that can address uh, that continuous improvement uh, towards uh, sustainability, not just to jump the bar and uh, check that, uh, that you, have be you are being in compliance to the, to the standards. So all that IDH does is in partnership with others, with, driven by the private sector, in partnership with, uh, with non-profit, uh, together with the local governments. Um, I can't think of any other organization that would be able to do that. Now you're um, transitioning to Aquaspark. How are you going to continue this work in Aquaspark? And uh, are you planning to work together with IDH a lot? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for me, IDH is the place where uh, is the best position to, um, to develop solutions. There are gonna be always new challenges and uh, and uh, we, we did a, a survey a year ago, a year and a half ago, and the top reason why people at IDH was for IDH is because of innovation, is because of the new solutions that, are, that come out. The ability to learn from one program to the other is unique. So, um, you know, we have uh, programs on uh, uh, agro-commodities, coffee, tea, cocoa. We work in fruits and vegetables, we work in spices. We have manufacturing, sustainable manufacturing, landscapes. All of those actually provide the new solutions and then there is cross-fertilization between those solutions. And then because all these instruments are developed in partnership with the private sector and other stakeholders, it's, an, it's a unique place to generate uh, uh, solutions that then can be tested and put in practice through uh, the work of the, of the companies that we, we invest in. Well, uh, IDH develops uh, wonderful solutions together with the private sector, uh, together with investors and uh, non-profits and the governments. The, to be able to see those solutions brought to in practice, um, we need to work with the, with the companies uh, directly. 
with Aquaspark, we'll be able to work directly with the companies, our investees, uh, on uh, putting those uh, solutions in practice. And maybe also helping IDH in generating new solutions for the challenges that are going to come in the future. Because when we deal with sustainability, there is always, there are always going to be new challenges.